I say to Mama and Razzie every time I see them, you girls are a hoot. You make me laugh. You crack me up. Last night, I cooked some asparagus for dinner. And you know the ends that you snap off? The tough, unedible pieces? Normally, we chop them up and feed them to the chickens. So I said, no, I'll just take them down tomorrow to Mama and Razzie. See how they like them. So I filled my pocket this morning. I mean, filled it up with pieces and go down to milk. Finished milking Mama and called them both over. You girls want a treat? They loved the asparagus. I mean, loved it. So now I have a new item to add to their favorite foods list. This is Ernie Johnson, founder of Anashira. Anashira is the proud sponsor of these podcasts. And thanks to you for your patronage. We were so fortunate that this Hurricane Florence just struck us a minor glancing blow here in the mountains. It's been much harder for millions of Carolinians, and our thoughts are with them. Last week, we ended our story with my return from Italy to the good old U.S. of A. Let's kick off this week with another visit to Southern California. back to Los Angeles. Before I moved to Minnesota, Larry Rubin had left to train in Italy, and I continued to ride and race with my teammates and pals. There is a ride held every year, a ride called the Solvang Century. It's held the second Saturday of March every year. Now the weather can be miserable and cold and rainy, or it can be pleasant. You never know, and the ride is always a challenge. Lots of hills, fair amount of climbing. But one thing is certain. It is the start of California strawberry season. And you will find ripe, red, delicious strawberries at stands on the sides of the road. The only more tasty strawberries will come out of your own garden. So I drove up with my buddy Ross Freed and several teammates. We ate strawberries on Friday and ate Danish pancakes early on Saturday morning and left with about 3,000 other riders early in the morning for our 100-mile ride. It was hard. I was challenged from the start. The group of us stayed together, but I had no energy to enjoy the views. It was cold and windy, and I thought, I'm never doing this again. But we climbed 4,500 feet, lots of small climbs, and a couple of somewhat difficult big grades. We finally finished, and I was beat. We sat down to a beer and a barbecue beef sandwich. We had survived, and I felt better, more positive about life. Ross was high as a kite. This was great. We need to do this every year. Let's commit to it now. Okay, we all did. Shook hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I left in August, moved to Minneapolis. Went through the toughest winter I'd ever known. And I flew back to L.A. that March to ride solving again with Ross and my old buddies. Ross had bought a new bike, a racing tandem, a Santana. First class, strong, light, fast. Several things about riding a tandem. The person in the back is called the stoker. Like the guy on the steam locomotive who shovels coal, stokes coal. Yeah, that's a stoker. The person in the front 
steers, controls the gears, does all of the braking. The person in the back pedals, keeps his head down out of the wind to make the bike more aerodynamic and looks down at the pavement. And that's about it. Oh, something else you should know about tandems. If you have two strong people on a tandem, you will go faster than hell on the flats. More power, less tire resistance, less air resistance equals speed. Also, downhill you really fly really fast. But climbing is difficult. If you have to stand for more power on a steeper climb, you have to be perfectly in sync or your energy is wasted. So good solo riders go right past you on the climbs when you're on a tandem. We had a training ride on Friday that year. Ross told me what he needed from me. We ate our strawberries. Saturday, we got into Solvang early, ate our Danish pancakes, those Abliskiver. First part of this ride is mostly flat, and we flew. Our teammates were attempting to draft off of us, but most of them were dropped. We get through the smaller climbs, but we're struggling. And we hit Vandenberg grade. It's one of the two longest climbs. And I suffered. Oh, one other thing. You both have the same gearing on a tandem bike. So if the driver is strong and can push a big gear, as they say, the stoker, me, will have to push the same big gear and suffer. We make it until the beginning of the last challenging climb on Bollard Canyon Road. We were less than a mile up this 10-mile climb. And uh, I get leg cramps. My quads, they're frozen. Ross, Ross, I got to get off. It's a steep part. We get off and I walk off the cramp. I'm walking. Ross, are you ready? Uh, Yeah. Now, starting on a tandem, going up a steep hill requires a great amount of coordination. Precise application of force. We try a couple times. Oh, man, it's embarrassing. We finally managed to get going. Those 10 miles were not a pretty picture. Ross was patient. I gave it everything I had, and he knew it. We made it, and we finished. I had sworn I was done with this stupid ride. But again, things changed after we sat down, had a beer, had a delicious barbecued sandwich. So Ross says, Ernie, isn't this great? Yeah, Ross. Will you come back next year? We'll do it again. Come on, man. Okay, Ross, I'll do it. Great. I know we'll do better next year. Great. Now, those of you who are not cycling fans may be asking yourselves, where is he going with this? Why do we go back in time to ride around Solvang, Lompoc, Vandenberg Air Base, and Santa Maria? Yes, good questions. I understand them. But bear with me a little longer. I'll clear this up for you. So I go back to Minneapolis to the winter. Two months later, I go to Italy to train with Renato. I told you about that. Then I go back to Minnesota. I continue riding and racing with my new teammates there. I had improved. I spend my second winter in Minnesota in the snow and the ice. And that March, I fly back to L.A. to ride with Ross in our third Solvang Century. So we get there, we eat our strawberries, we ride a training ride on the tandem on Friday, and this time it was different. I was stronger, and Ross was stronger. 
and I was more confident. Ross says, you seem different. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel ready. So we get up on Saturday. We go, we go and we eat our pile of abliskiver. We start later than before. We need people in front of us to pass. So we start and there is no delay. We're rolling at 25, 30, 30 plus miles an hour. And the first miles are flat. Ross turns around and says after a few miles, what happened to you? Man, I've been training. So we're flying. One note for you. Experienced cyclists of all levels ride this ride. There was a guy named Steve Hegg racing at that time in California. He'd won the gold medal in the 4,000-meter individual pursuit on the track in the Olympics that were held in L.A. He'd also won the silver medal in the team pursuit. He also was a three-time winner of the U.S. National Individual Time Trial Championships. He also won the U.S. National Road Race Championships. He lived and raced in L.A. and truly was the real deal, a hero to many of us. At the time, Haig was racing with a professional cycling team called Chevrolet L.A. Sheriffs. His team would ride in the Solvang Century to train. So Ross and I are flying along, still on the flats, and Ross turns around to me and says, Don't look now, but Steve Haig and his team are drafting off of us. We're riding so fast that they're riding in our slipstream, conserving their own energy. Needless to say, Ross and I laid the hammer down. We were so psyched. Steve Haig drafting off of us. We flew by other riders. Someone look up and yell, Hey, Steve! Or, Looking great, Steve! Everybody out there in the sport knew him. They loved him out there. They drafted off of us for about 15 miles until we hit Vandenberg grade. They're gone. Those were the best 15 cycling miles of my life. And I know they were for Ross, too. So we finished. Finished the century. Our time was by far the best we'd done. No cramps, no whining by me. We sat down to our beer and barbecue. And Ross was beaming. Steve Haig, man. Steve Haig and his whole team drafting off of us. Can you believe it? Yeah, man, that was great. Hey, Ernie, what happened to you? How did you improve so much? Is this because of that camp in Italy? Yeah, I think so. Would it help me? Yeah, I'm sure of it, Ross. Nah, I wouldn't go alone. I've never been to Europe. I couldn't do it. Pause. Hey, Ernie, have you ever thought of going back? Yeah, I have thought about it. You loved it, right? Yeah, I did. You bet. If you go back, can I go back with you? Sure, man. When will you decide? I don't know. Come on, man, let's go. So I fly back to Minnesota, back to the ice and the snow and the bitter cold. One of our team sponsors is a gym. It's called The Marsh. So we go there in the evenings a couple days a week after rides. and We lift weights. We do a lot of leg work, do a lot of lunges and squats. About a week or so after I get back from L.A., the roads are clear one day, and we all get together, do a ride out west to Chaska, up to Watertown, and then back to Lake of the Isles. It's a super hard ride. It's cold, blustery winds, snow flurries, and there's a new guy on the ride. 
big, obviously strong. He'd ridden some. He starts falling off the back, and we're still 30 miles from home. The team itself, man, they wait for nobody. So I back off, and I ride next to this guy. Hey, I'm Ernest. You doing all right? I'm Bob. I'm hurting. You don't have to wait for me. Come on, Bob. Get on my wheel. We'll head home. We're going slower. It takes a while to get there. He's very grateful. Ernest, you didn't have to do that. Bob, don't worry. I've been dropped so many times on so many rides, and I've ridden home alone so many times. I just saw you need a little help. Man, you saved me. I didn't even know where we were out there. So Bob, Bob Plaz is his name, and I become pals. He was much younger than I and strong. He played hockey at the University of Minnesota. Truly a tough guy. Another guy in the team is an oral surgeon, also young, a very talented bike racer, also became my pal. His name was Rick. A few weeks later on a Saturday, we meet early for a so-called social ride. And no one tries to kill anyone. We just take it easy and put on the miles. So we stop at a cafe in downtown Minneapolis on the way home. It's called Espresso Royale. They're having cappuccino and I'm drinking, well, of course, a macchiato. Rick asked me, is this like those places where you drank coffee in Italy? Yeah, it's a little bit like it. Rick turns to Bob. Ernest went to Italy to train a year ago. Bob, you did? For how long? Uh, I was at the camp 11 days. Rick says, Bob, he got so much better. He was better when he got back. Now, you're exaggerating, Rick. No, it's true. Hey, would you ever go back? I thought about it a couple times. Maybe. It was good? Asked Bob. Oh, it was great. I tell him a few stories about the food, the training, the racing, the Italians. They're both paying very close attention. You live as an Italian with Renato, not as a tourist. Rick says, hey, how much does it cost? I told him what I paid per day. That's for the training? No, that's for training, hotel room, three meals a day, team shorts and jersey, racing license. Oh, my God. Rick looks at me. If you go back, will you take me with you? Well, I'm not planning on anything right now. Bob, can I go too? I'll be a fine companion. I'll do whatever you need. I've dreamed of going to Italy my entire life. I'll do whatever you say. So we finish our coffee. We ride back. The following Tuesday on our team ride, they both come up to me. Have you decided? No. When are we leaving? We're not. I get home. I get a call from Ross. Hey, Ernie, what about Italy? Are we going? No. Why aren't we going? They're driving me crazy. I say to myself, I'll just call Renato and say hello to him. He's in Buffalo. It's wintertime. So I dial his number. He picks up. Hey, Renato, it's Ernesto. You remember me? Ciao, amico. Di corso mi ricordo di ti, Ernesto. Of course I remember you, my friend. How are you? How are you riding? I'm good. I'm riding well. Hey, Renato, I have three friends who want to go to your camp, maybe in May. What do you think? 
Tell me, what are they like? How do they ride? Well, they're good people. They don't know Italy, but they'll love it. They ride really strong. They're younger than I and much faster. Ernesto, if you like them, I like them. You're coming with them, right? Uh, I reflect a moment. Yeah, I guess I better. Yes, you must come. Of course. You don't want to miss out on these wonderful times. So we go over some dates at the end of May, and I tell him I'll get back to him. The next day, I tell my wife I'm heading back to Italy with my three teammates. Now, she's working part-time as a travel agent. I tell her I'll need her to book tickets for each of us. So we all arrive at approximately the same time. So I call each of them, tell them the dates, tell them the cost, tell them I need an answer in 24 hours. Now, two of them give me the same answer. Bob, who was divorced, and Ross, who also made up his mind in about two seconds, said, we're in. Rick, who was a little more cautious, said, I have to check with my wife. I'll get back to you. Of course, the answer is yes. So Maria reserves the tickets, three from Minneapolis to Munich, one LAX to Munich, and they all arrive within a couple of hours of each other. I give each of them their flight information and the cost of their flight. No problems. I tell them, I'm sending each of you a document. It will have exactly what you need to do. You must follow my instructions to the letter. Okay, Ernest. Okay, you bet. So I sit down and I complete this document for them. And the following items must be attended to exactly. Immediately complete application for passport. No passport, no Italy. Contact Maria and pay for your airline tickets. Get a carrying case for your bikes. Bring your USA Cycling Racing License. Two passport photos for your Italian Racing License. One set. Minimum of nice clothing to wear out at nights. We're in Italy. Nice slacks, dress shoes, nice shirts. Complete your registration for Velo Veneto. Send me a copy of it. Send your check to Renato. Take traveler's checks for spending money. You're going to need cash when you're there. I said they need to pay me for their share of the van rental and the gas. I send each of them their copies. Questions? Nope. No questions. It's clear to each of them. So I confirm with Renato. I give him the info. E perfecto, Ernesto. See you then. It's a third week in May. Three of us catch a red-eye flight out of Minneapolis. We fly all night, and we get into Munich in the mid-afternoon. We get our luggage, pick up the van from Europe car. It truly is a full-size van. We load up our bicycle cases, our suitcases, and we wait a couple of hours for Ross to arrive from L.A. He finally gets in. We load up his stuff and we head out. It's about 6 p.m. I drive. No sooner are we on the road and I see heads nodding in the mirror. And I hear snoring from the back. Hey, you guys, wake up. You've never been to Europe before. Don't miss it. Now, Bob's up front with me. Don't worry, Ernest. I'm with you. Give me the map. I'm not going to miss a thing. I'm up. We drive through the night. I know the route, more or less. We drive about three hours, and we stop to gas up, and we eat in Austria. Simple snacks, rolls with sausage, some schnitzel, cheese, 
They have a beer. I have a coffee. Not that great a coffee, but it keeps me going. So we head out. We get into Castel Cuco about 1 a.m. The town is dark. Nothing is open. So we get to Hotel Monte Grappa. I go to the door. Of course, it's locked. No bell. I knock hard. Nothing. Knock. Nothing. These guys are getting a little nervous. Are you sure this is the right hotel? Yeah, I practically lived here. Nothing. I think I know Renato's room up on the second floor. I grab some small rocks. I lob a few of them up. Ping, ping. Renato, wake up. Let us in. We're not going away. Ping, ping. A few minutes later, the window opens and a head pops out. Quiet, quiet, silence. You wake up all of Castel Cuco, Ron says. Well, man, let us in. We're tired. So Ron comes down, opens the door. We unload the suitcases. We'll get the bikes tomorrow, I tell him. Renato leads us upstairs. We have a slight issue with the rooms, he says. I have a room here for Ernesto. The three of you will sleep up the hill. There's a nunnery tomorrow, but tonight you stay here. You sleep in this meeting room. So the room has three cots. And there's a bathroom down the hall, he explains. So they collapse on their cots and they're out. Renato takes me to my room. Ernesto, we'll have coffee in the morning. And make plans. Okay. It's now about two o'clock. No sooner, it seems, does my head hit the pillow than I hear a knocking on the door. Ernesto, get up. Get up. Let's have a coffee. We have things to do. Renato, it's 6.30. Don't you ever sleep? No more than necessary. So two of us go downstairs to the hotel cafe. It's a cafe like the one where we sat and had chocolate that first night last year in Asolo. A typical Italian cafe has espresso, other coffees, pastries, sandwiches. You can get a glass of wine, a beer, an aperitivo. So, hey, do yourself a favor. Look, Google up typical Italian coffee bar. And look at those images there. Man, those photos tell you what it's like, an Italian cafe in Italy. They're unique in the world. The hotel owner, Luca Bolson, opens this cafe every day at 6.30. So Renato and I sit down and we're sipping our cappuccinos. So Ernesto, it is Saturday. There is a race this afternoon in a town near Moriago della Battaglia. You raced there last year. You remember? You go up and get the USA racing licenses, get the driver's licenses, and uh, two photos from each of your three friends. And you and I will go see the head of the Italian Cycling Federation. He's a baker by profession, so he's up at this hour. And it's not far away. So we finish our coffee, and I head upstairs to where these three guys are sleeping. I open the door. I go in and, oh man, I can't believe it. We just made it to Italy and I see we've gone long enough today. Well, we'll just let them sleep until next week. I thank Anashira for sponsoring this series of podcasts. Mama and Razzie also send you their thanks. You buy our soaps and I buy them feed. 
and I pay the rent on their barn and pasture. I had a couple of questions this week, all of them basically the same. How are the goats? And did it upset the goats? And is the milk still flowing? Well, it was Sunday when we got the rain here, the big rain in the mountains. Not much wind, but lots of rain. I drove down expecting to see the two of those goats hunkered down in their barn. But what do I see? I see in the middle of the pasture on the mountain, Mama, picking grass, happy as a clam. So they're both happy and yes, plenty of milk. Plenty of soap too. Send me your order and use discount code STORIES15. Also, send me your questions. Don't forget our new email address is ernie at anashira.com. Send me questions from you so that I'll know you're paying attention. Join us next week when I wake up those sleeping Americans in Italy in my next story from Anashira. Anashira.